Blog Talk Radio. I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm going body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee, I Duck. Could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up, the cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown, hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase. The street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, we're not. Out. This is what is about, nigga. The time is All I need is one mic. Peace be upon you. All powers to oppress people. African power to an African people and black power. It's your brother Yang and Krumah, man, coming today on a Sunday. Thank you for tuning in and listening with me. Allowing me to come into your living room to share some time with you, spend some time with you, and share some thoughts. As always, this is coming from the People's Black Panther Party. Therefore, that means this is your program. If any time during the program you you know find yourself, hey man, I want to comment on that, I want to say some press one, we'll recognize you, put you in there, and we'll go back and forth with the exchange. Dig, we're talking about the state of mind of black people, the state of mind of black people, and. You know, I always like to tell anybody that knows me and watches my lives or anything like that, know I like to go into what um, particularly sparked a thought. And what this was was happened with a conversation with a couple of my comrades, some dear brothers, they may pop in. One of the conversation was about Breonna Taylor and the $12 million settlement um, that was had. Me, my brother and I were on opposite ends of the uh, spectrum. My brother feels like it was a compromise. It was sellout. It was no amount of money you can put on price. They shouldn't have taken the money. I, on the other hand, disagree. And I'd love to know what you think about it. And we'll go into a little bit of my disagreement about that. Also, what sparked uh, what sparked also this, this thought and this topic was in a conversation with my brothers, um, a business venture came up. And I think that it's a great business venture. I think that I am one who supports entrepreneurialism amongst black people here in America, amongst the new African. I think not only is it uh, ingenuitive, in, in, ingenious, I think. I think that it's creative. I think it's very brilliant. I think it's needed for black people. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm one of those black people that question 
the economic advancement and benefits it has for the whole of the group and not just one, because I don't necessarily believe in just black capitalism, you know. And I'm always leery, though I don't knock anyone from getting their money. You know, I'm leery of what they, what instrument they use. You know, we have to be careful about black people using particular instruments. In fact, let's start the conversation with that. State of mind, black people. Here it is. Here's my position on black capitalism, and I'd love to know what you think. Um, the business venture was brought to me. A black, and I so hope the brother comes on to explain it, right? because I actually think it is a good idea. So I won't go into the particulars of the business. Let's speak general. And if you know any situation like this, then you apply that your situation to this one, or your particulars to the situation. So the brother comes to me, he says, hey, man, you know, black business, I'm part of this uh, black idea. It's a black business. It's owned by a black person. And, you know, I want you to invest. The alternative is you use a white alternative, you know, but the difference would be the white alternative, they get paid off of you, but not directly, meaning they use your influence, they use your sway, they use your labor, your contacts, your networks when you hook through up through them, uh, through apps and everything. So they're getting paid off of you indirectly. You know what I'm saying? You don't feel the money that you, you, you're losing or that they're getting off of you. Whereas this particular business, you would have to directly contribute. You would have to make a conscious uh, conscious contribution or conscious effort to pay a bill. Now, while I don't mind that for black people, oh, pardon me for a second. We got, got so many things going on in here. Now, why I don't mind that for black people is, well, I don't mind that for black people, excuse me, pardon me, guys. Um, is I do believe you have to put your money where your mouth is. I believe you have to, you know, back, cash must back your ass, so to speak, pardon the verbiage. So, you know, I believe in that. But my question was, at the end of the day, what's going to happen when you try to sell that to people is they're going to say, how do I benefit from that? How does that affect me? Am I saying that that's a right mentality? Not necessarily. Am I saying it's a wrong mentality? Not necessarily. I think the first thing is what? The first law of the survival is self-preservation. So only a fool would say, okay, how is this going to harm me or how is this going to help me? And that's about anything they do. Too many times black people just get into things because, just because. We're on emotions now. So we do it without really weighing the consequences of entering into uh, whatever thing that we've entered into. So I said, okay, you know, you get black people, I push it, I get black people to sign on. And this contribution, this monthly fee that they pay, does it benefit them, or are we just making a black man rich? Which I don't have a problem with a black man being rich, you know, because it was like, well, yeah. Then I said, here's, here's the problem with that. Are we aiding and assisting? Uh, and then, you know, this is such a hard word, misery pimps. Are we getting people that's riding on the black condition, black business owners, black capitalists, saying, yo, buy black, do black, spending black, and at the same time, they're not saying my business donates a portion of the proceeds or anything that we get to schooling, education, health. I don't care whether here or Africa, somewhere helping melanated people. Do we get those promises from the business people? Are we so just elated to see a black face in a white place that we lose all practical senses?
And this may be the worst Negro in damn history. This may be a person pimping your black love and your black awareness, and you're going to have a whole white woman. You know what I'm saying? To have a whole other life that you wouldn't subscribe to, you wouldn't endorse, nor would you approve of. But we get so caught up in the sensationalism. We live in this age of imagery. We're bewitched. A spell is being cast over us. And we live in the age of the charlatan. We live in the age of the person who presents this image. And there's no substance, no fruit, nothing really beneficial or a fruition of what they say. So why I don't knock anyone of getting their money, I say that we have to understand the method that we use in our economic philosophy. You say, Brother Yang, what do you mean, economic philosophy? Capitalism. Any way that you get your money is an economic philosophy. Capitalism says that you must capitalize on either the needs, the desires of the people. You know, the dope dealer is a capitalist, doesn't care about the destruction of the community, doesn't care about the destruction of family, doesn't care about the deterioration of health, the mental state of children, and every party involved with this uh, devastating disease of addiction that affects our community. But they have been into the capitalist entrepreneurialism spirit, spirit, pull myself up by the bootstraps, rugged individualism, I got to get mine, homie type of mentality that is constantly, um, you know, propagated and, 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 and put out there to us that we bite on that it doesn't even matter to what or at what expense we must get arms. This is the danger of capitalism, capitalizing on someone's weakness, uh, addictions, needs, wants, desires, fears to capitalize on any area that that person is not their strongest in and that you can exploit. It's not about empowering the collective. So I say, okay, you know, so how can I deal with black people who just want to, they know I love to see black people. They know I'm doing it for the overall black race. I'm doing it to see a black business come up. But there has to be a point of time that the black business says, here is a here's my give back. Here's my thank you to my black patronage, to the black people who do support black businesses, to the black people who will pay the nickel, the dime, the quarter extra to keep a black business operating. We must move past just the blackness because we leave ourselves open for all kind of, um, and I'm not going to necessarily say enemies. You know, I want to be careful with my language here. Some black people have well intentions. They just really don't understand the things they subscribe to. But I'm going to say some of them do have more nefarious intentions. Some of them really know they're pimping. They know they're playing you. They know damn well they don't believe as you believe. They are not believers. And they are the worst. You know, they are the worst because they're not believers. They're hypocrites. I'd rather deal with a disbeliever. In my faith, in the science of it, they call him a Kafir. A Kafir. This is one who covers the truth. Comes from the word Kimah. They don't want to hear it. They cover it up with all kind of BS. And they just don't want to hear it. They don't believe it, man. I don't want to hear that, man. I'm covering it with everything the world. So Kufar, they say, hey, I don't want to hear none of that. And then you got the Munafik, the hypocrite. Now, why are they the worst? Because the hypocrite, not only do they not believe, but they sit in your company. They don't just say one thing and do something different. They sit in your mix. This is what makes them dangerous, and we have them. I think that we've labeled them Uncle Toms. Not even Uncle. They're worse than Uncle Toms. 
Uncle Tom takes a clear position. Uncle Tom is a disbeliever. You know what Uncle Tom believes. The hypocrite is one who pretends to believe as you but believes differently. And they are dangerous. And we have these people out here that believe in black capitalism and individualism, and I got to get mine, and it's about all that. And they will play on your love of seeing black people succeed. And they really teach you uh, an old pippin trick that you don't even know. It's And that trick is, yo, all of us can't be millionaires, baby, but one of us might as well be. So everybody give me a, so a million people give me a dollar. <laughs> That's, you know what I'm saying. You're falling in love with the whole image thing. So I'd love to know what you think. You know, press one. How do you feel about it? I could be wrong. You know, you could feel quite possible, yo, I work hard. I do my thing. I should reap the total benefits and rewards. Screw everyone. I mean, get yours like I got mine. You could feel like that. And I would love to know, you know, what keeps that thought. I know where the thought came from. I would love to know what keeps us in the start. Why do, why do we feel like that? Why do we feel this disconnect, even economically? Why don't we see communalism and economic communalism as the answer? Now they say, Yanga, you live in a capitalist country. How are you going to get around capitalism, brother? Absolutely. You can't get around capitalism. But you have to limit it in the particip- limit your participation and limit its influence and effect on your life and the people that you deal with. When you go into businesses, why the business got to be all you? Why you can't go into a co-op, a cooperative, a, a, a collective, something like this? Everybody put their nickels together, and everybody reaps the rewards. We work at the business. Our children work at the business, and we get the rewards of the business. There's limited participation in capitalism and limited influence of capitalism in the molding and uh, structuring of a better society for us. You know, we have to be mindful of that. So that goes into the Breonna Taylor thing. They say, well, brother, if you're all against that, why would you take the money? Why, you know, isn't that there is no money that anyone can give you for life and they can, hey, I know that's right. You get no argument out of me. Absolutely. There is not a price you could give me to repay me for the life of one of my children, not one in the world. But me being one one of those people, like I said, there again, the science of my faith, you know. Um, and to me, that's exactly what faith is about. It's about, you know, our so-called religions. It's about helping you get bring some type of rationale to an irrational world, bringing some type of sense to chaos. And if you don't acknowledge that you are a black person, a new African here, trying to live in America, that your life is chaotic, then you're more far gone than I would have imagined. You're out there, man. If you don't realize you as your natural, beautiful black self are forced to live an unnatural existence, you are you have bitten more into the you're deeper, more deeply plugged into the matrix than I would have believed. You have to know the things that you are compelled to do, the things that you are forced to watch on your television if you just want to entertain yourself, unless you don't have a television. The things you are forced to listen to on the radio, unless you just don't have a radio or listen to music anymore, it are unnatural, are unnatural. And we'll discuss that because, you know, here's my thing on that. You know what? Let's talk about it now. Here's my thing on that. It's not so much that what's being done 
is unnatural, you know, the, the crimes. Maybe the specifics are unnatural because we're emulating a savage, a devil, I tell you. I swear to you it is a devil. Please believe me. When, if you haven't believed anything Yanga said, please believe this beast is very unnatural and is wicked. Warning, warning, danger, danger, proceed with extreme caution when dealing with this white man and white woman. Anyway, so what they have done, though, <coughs> excuse me, is taking us an aspect of our culture. They have taken an element of our culture, and that's the more the less desirable element, the drug side, the the, the more baser element of black people, and have somehow tricked us to glorify that, and they present that to the world as black culture, gangster rap, this type of exploitation of men and women on television, that sexual exploitation, economic exploitation, and, and, and foolishness through the bling bling and all this uh, buffoonery and dumb shit we do jumping around, being uh, walking commercials for them. All of this, they've taken that foolishness and they've made that the sum of our culture. And that is the, the base of our culture. And they have hidden our geniuses. I look on Facebook, this black person 14 graduates with this GPA. This black person in Africa invented a whole science program to feed all of Africa. These type of things going on. They don't promote and encourage that. So they promote and encourage the baser side and present that as our dominant aspects of our culture. Every culture has a baser side. It's just the difference between us and them is when they sing about songs, they either glorifying their war veterans, come on home, boy, you, you kicked ass. Or rock, you know, yeah, party, oh yeah, and and hard. This they don't have a side that really glorifies the underside of their demonic existence. Because if they is, it probably wouldn't be a rating you could put on it. If they really begin to sing and make real movies about them, they have to put another a rating on it. The closest they can get to telling us about their nature and really offering their confession to ease their soul are horror movies. They trick you, man. Let's make a horror movie, man. They're telling you their fantasies, their thoughts. Believe me, you. But I don't want to get on to that. So we say that. So I said all that to say how base and barbaric they are. So, no, you can never pay someone for the loss of their child, for gobbling their children, destroying their family, just, I mean, crushing everything. Um, But what they do do, like I said, in my science, in my faith, what blood money actually is is saying, that we know we have taken – look, man, I am so digressive, but it's, I'm hitting on key points here. We are some of the only people that don't know our worth as beings and species. We don't know our worth. So we think the worth is the material trinkets given to us by the oppressor. We have really thought – we make those things valuable through our desire. Gucci wouldn't be anything if you didn't desire to buy Gucci. A particular car, sneaker, drink, or food would be nothing if you didn't have the desire for it. If you said, you know what, I just don't eat, man. You know what, I, I'm done with cars. We're going to get bicycles. Cars would be in trouble, but they'd still get you. they make a bicycle with 20s. You, go, <laughs> you buy a bicycle with blinged-out bicycle. Because they've convinced us that success and the values in the material, but they know the values in you. So this is what blood money is. The 12 million is saying 
you know, no, we can't replace Breonna Taylor. Never. But her existence, the law for her revenue, her income, what she would bring in, her worth, we're saying we're valuing at $12 million. Even though that's the whole concept is crazy. But I said, yeah, you take that. Because you have taken a resource from the family. You would never be able to repay emotional trauma. You would never be able to repay or mend the heart that you have broken through your careless, senseless, demonic, savage, just acts in the way that you view us and feel about us. You would never be able to repay that. And we know you would never be able to love us. But absolutely, you have absolutely taken a resource and income. Of, and I think $12 million is too cheap. She's a million-dollar woman. I mean, a trillion, like when you was a little kid, billion-dollar, cocaine. Numbers you couldn't even calculate. That's how much she would have brought in. Sir, that's unrealistic. You don't know it. She may have had the cure for cancer. You have no idea the brilliance that you snuffed out with your arrogance, with your lack of concern and consideration, and even just respect for the new African here in America, for black life. You understand? So that's what that money thing is about. You know, now my problem with the money is because it's taxpayers' money. Essentially, the taxpayers in Louisville, Kentucky, and maybe generally Kentucky, outside will pay the $12 million for the racist fucking freaking act of the Louisville the Police Department. So the people have to pay that. That's my problem. Yeah, I have a big problem with that. I say pay the $12 million and you make that, you make them pigs pay. They shouldn't have enough money to roll up and buy a 99-cent hamburger. He should, you should snatch the lint out of their pocket. Snatch the children's college fund. You took somebody's child. Snatch the children. If the children got money, damn it. Suda for you should be that. So that's what I'm saying. Give them the money, but you make the FOP, the Fraternal Order Police, the police department and all of that when y'all calling people's phones and giving these punk-ass bumper stickers who support you suckers. For all of them little dollars and 99 cents and all that stuff to get blue lives matter, all that dumbass shit that you're putting out there, you should be, your union should pay the $12 million. You pay dues, don't you? I know you do. I was in a union one time. Yeah, I know it's hard to believe. But yeah, I was in that workforce, and I damn sure was in a union. Believe it. So I know you're paying your union dues and fees. I think that that's where the money should come from. What I'm saying is the deterrent. For the murder of us is not enough Is not enough Do I believe that the state Will ever Do enough to deter people from killing us Do I believe America will ever Protect, look out Give the resources to Treat, love it's so-called new African population. I'm not even going to say citizens. I'm going to say the new African population over here. Do I think they'll ever do that? No. I think that racism and white supremacy, white privilege and entitlement are too ingrained in the fabric. It's too interwoven in the fabric of America. For them to, to separate that, they can't. That's why it's a cancer. It can't be separated from them. They can masquerade it. It may appear to go away and pop right back up more malignant than ever. Larger, deeper, deep, deeper set than ever. They really can't get to it. And I don't care what they do to get to it. You know, all of these laws and stuff, they pass like chemo. Let's do this. 
to try to, you see, anytime you live in a society that must pass laws to protect its people, its minority people or the oppressed people in that society, the people that you intentionally and willfully oppressed in the building of your society, anytime you have to make laws to make sure they're protected, that speaks to the sentiment of your society. That means the population, the masses of people in that society, the the dominant class in that society don't like those people, so you have to have laws so that they, they don't act that out. And while I am not a reformist, you want to know my state of mind, we're just rapping about the state of mind. And like I said, you're listening to the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. Press one at any time you can get in, we can rap. And we can get into this, you know. Um, so this that's, that's where I'm going with it. It's already in their sentiment. So anytime you have to pass the laws for people to ease up and pass the laws for people just to allow you to live, to get to get a job, to earn a livelihood, feed your children, you are in a society with a people that will never accept you. It is interwoven in the fabric. Your inferiority and their supremacy is interwoven in the fabric. I don't care what you do. We can get on here and rant and rave and tell them about the great black inventions and the first blacks and what we did and how all colors came from us and all of that good stuff. And... Okay, I don't know. Listen, I'm a I'm a spiritual person, and I subscribe to tenets of a certain religion. So, you know, I speak to religious people. I don't know if you've ever spoken to a religious person who believes intently on what they believe. You can bring Encyclopedia Brown to recite the facts that you're spitting. You can Google. You can do all of that. If you don't bring white Jesus, or if you don't bring someone that they hold in a high authority, or that to be the truth, to say contrary. Man, they're not going to believe what you're saying. And this is white people. I don't care what facts you show them, come factual, to show them that, that they are inferior. They live in the now. They say, yeah, and you showed me all that, but get back to work, nigger. <laughs> he said, you broke it all down. The black man, the person, okay, yeah, your lunch breaks up, nigger. Get back to work. And this is what it boils down to. And I think this is the reality that we don't, really see you know what I'm saying that it's where they're rocking it's interwoven in the fabric and what we do is we become so frustrated at our inability to strike back at the system and our inability to stand up and say hey I am a man you know and our inability to really fight back at oppressive America predominantly white America that we implode. We take it out on each other. Yeah. Yeah. We can't strike back. Like I said, with black people suffer from battered wife syndrome. And we do it to each other. We let the white man batter us and we find every excuse to go back into love and try to work within with peace and harmony. And we do it with one another. Except we come on with abusive husband syndrome. We've taken those blows from the world. We've been beaten down. Our ideas, we've been told our ideas are rotten. We've been told we're less than in the world. We've been living fearful, even though we don't want to admit it. Police jump behind you, testicles squeeze up, fall you macho brothers. You know it, dude. I mean, we can, yeah, if you want to play games, we can play hard. No, man, not me. I can say that. But you know what it is. The first words of any black person, man or woman, lips, when the police get behind them, all of us, I don't care what, 
part of the city, we, we say the same thing. When Polo get behind us and hit those lights, damn. Everybody, everybody, I don't care who I'm riding. Damn. Because we know at that moment it's life or death. Obviously, I was riding with a white guy and got pulled. He's like, what the fuck? I'm like, really? Bro, we shouldn't have started off like that. You're going to get him attitude. See, you're going to talk smart to the police and he's going to reach in there and shoot me. You know what I'm saying? So it's the whole perception and receiving. Now, with this, with this understanding, I know that I have to stay away from those things that are trying to kill me and limit my involvement. But what I must be conscious of, too, is to know that I am a strong man, that I am a centered New African, and that he is the enemy, that they don't defy my existence nor my manhood so I don't take that home and start jumping on my wife and children or take it out on my partners. One of the things that I think that we have a terrible habit of doing as black people, you know, is really being real and examining certain facts in our movements and our relationships to the movement and to other peoples and individuals in the movement. What I mean by that is, you know, I may have a wonderful idea. It may be great. And I may have every resource in the world to bring this idea to fruition and make it work. And nobody works with me. And the first thing I want to holler, man, these niggas ain't serious. Don't nobody want to get with me, man. These niggas ain't serious. I got A, B, and C. These niggas don't want to do this and that. Black folks lazy, this and that. I holler every reason in the world, but I won't do self-critical analyzation. I won't say maybe they don't want to fuck with me because I'm an asshole. Maybe it's not the lack of resources. I may have everything, but maybe it's me. Maybe they say, hey, you know what, damn, that's a great idea. And they say, yeah, Yanga came up with, oh, Yanga's involved? Uh, no. No, no, no. Why? Because nothing's going to get done. I can't work with this guy. Great idea. I'm sure the resources there. You know, and there again, no self, and he gets back to me. You no, know, see, niggas got to grow up. They got to get past that. No, maybe I need to work on some things. Maybe I have to make myself more approachable. Maybe I have to make myself a team player. See, we're too quick to jump by and talk about what black folks ain't going to do and what it is, and if they don't deal with me, then Nick Rose ain't serious because, like, we the last great revolutionary in the whole damn movement. If the people are not dealing with you, listen, listen, brothers and brothers, especially you brothers, you know, especially you brothers. If the people, it's like if you dated 20 sisters, and I'm hollering at you. I'm like, yo, man, what's she? Yo, man, these sisters, this and that. I'm like, Karen, Karen, Kim, Sue, da, 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 all these sisters, blah, da, blah, da, blah. So I'm telling I'll say, okay, brother, you've dated 20 different sisters, 20 different sizes, shapes, ages, different likes, tastes, different children, different babies, daddies, isn't and all of them gave you the same issue. Negro, the only thing that was the same was you. All women ain't tripping, bro. You. You are the only constant in all of that. In the fact of God, in the equation God, in the math God, you are the common factor. You, 20 different women. I know all these women weren't damn clones. I'm sure there were varieties and differences in them. Therefore, you're the only thing that was the same. So if you get the same issue out of 20 different women, you're the problem. So if we're in the revolution and nobody's working with us, oh, I guess everybody's crazy. Ain't nobody doing the work, huh? Yang was the only one doing the work, and nobody want to work with me. Everybody in the movement's playing. 
yo, <laughs> yo, we really have to check. We talk about a black state of mind, the colonialism that plagues us even subconsciously that we're not aware of. And that is a very supremacist attitude to have. It is a very arrogant attitude to have. Nobody's doing nothing because nobody's doing it with me. No, maybe nobody's doing it with you because you're not playing with everyone. You're the kid that we play with, and when you get bad, you say, give me my ball. I'm going home. Now we got to kiss your butt just to finish the basketball game. I don't know, man. You can be on the team. Yeah, you're right. You fouled him. Give him the free throw. Give him the ball, man. Let him shoot. No one wants to, when you talk about liberation and freedom, when you talk about real life as an adult and we have children and we're going to pass this to our children and prayerfully, if it pleases the most high God, and if the God in you has enough willpower to do it and enough vision to do it, then we pray it passes on to their children. You see what I'm saying? This culture that we're that we're trying to give them. But it starts with, first and foremost, it starts with self-analyzation and how am I, when we talk about why the organizations won't come together. When I think on unity, you know, and I think about, man, we got to work together, we got to come together, I'm like real with it. When I think about particular people that I know personally, I say, oh, can I work with them on this? Can I work? Nah, because too much will get per- So we have to be real. What's our factor in the unification process? Are we willing to compromise and bend to those degrees to be able to work with people? If not, sometimes you have to say, cool, I can't work with you, but guess what? We're working on the same problem. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to work with you, but I damn sure am not going to work against you. See, there again, colonialist mind state, that capitalism eradicate, eradicate your uh, competitor, kill, crush the competitor, competition. Yeah. In my science, again, there again, I know tonight, man, I'm referring a lot to my sciences and my religious sciences, and I'm just in that, you know, I'm in that zone. God is good. Things are good, you know what I'm saying? And I believe for us, and I believe that this, I believe it's our time. So, but anyway, in, in in our faith, um, you know, God says compete in ways that are best. Compete. Compete doesn't necessarily have to be bad. The competition could be in ways that are best. You see someone doing good, you want to that. You want to emulate that. You want to do better good. Why? Because it brings great results, and it will put give you the privilege of being in that person's company because they see you're a person that does does good and exceeding good, and you rush to do this good, you rush for black people, and you're loving black people, and they want to be around a person that possesses this type of energy, this type of vibration, this type of love for their people. Hey, and I love it because success, love success. I love when successful people want to rub elbows with Brother Yang. I feel honored, I'm privileged, because he is standing before me a person that not only has some secrets, but also has some personal testimony to share about the struggles. And the hardships along the road to success. And anyone that is willing to share those most intimate thoughts and those, you know, sacred, those are good. And, you know, when I was coming, that's what you call jewels. Sit here, young, let me share some jewels with you. See, when I was in the Panthers, brother, had to watch out, and I love it. Share them jewels, man. Yeah, I'm a jewel picker. I'm a miner. I'm going to put it in my bag. I got that jewel, brother, sister. So we, we it, it, it enables us to rub and to be in these type of people when we compete in what is good. But we've taken on the white man's understanding of 
competition and a competitor, and we become, and it becomes crushing very because that's what capitalism is. I must get all the customers. It ain't enough for all us. You know what I'm saying? We don't have the communal thing. Yo, all of us can eat. Potluck. See, communalism, your, your economic philosophy, your social philosophy, your society, your economic philosophy should mimic your social philosophy. It should mimic aspects of your culture. We're communal people. Y'all remember the potlucks? Y'all remember feeding everybody? Y'all remember when you were at someone's house and it was dinner time, you automatically, in fact, not to eat at somebody's house was to insult them. Y'all don't y'all remember that? Huh? Y'all remember you remember if they told you down to eat and you said no, you didn't eat, man, you insulted someone. Better say, hey, eat that shit. You better get down for the get down. We that's I, so our our economic philosophy must express that. It must express that. When your economic philosophy changes, then your social philosophy has to change because you gotta get the money. When your economic philosophy says it's only, you know, it's get it yourself, it's only enough for you, don't worry about nobody else, get it, get it, get it, get it, capitalize, capitalize, capitalize on weakness, capitalize on mistake, capitalize on slipping, capitalize on the fool, capitalize, capitalize, then your social actions must begin to do that so that you can manifest the wealth of capitalism. So now you're selling dope. Now you're sexually exploiting women by pimping or putting them in areas and positions that just ain't cool. Now you 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 know you you corrupting uh, minors and doing stuff that are not cool to fragile minds and one of my our most valuable resources in the community. You know what I'm saying? Even if you ain't personally touching on them, you putting out that bullshit music that they listening to, nigga. You a predator. You you I ain't gonna say you a pedophile, but you a predator of the young. You scared, you know, I, I can't, and why I say you're a predator, you like that because I can't monitor all the time what my children listen to and this and that. So you like the little dude in the bushes, psst, come here, hey, psst, come here. You worse than the jump out, the, the tree jumpers, as we used to call them. Watch your little kids, Chester's, watch your babies, Chester's loose. You're, you're, you're a bad influence. So, you know, between all of these things in the society, when you bite into that um, capitalist economic philosophy, that begins to become your mind state. So there's nothing wrong when you look to participate when you're working with a black business to say, hey, you know what? Hey, do you guys have a um, a, a charity put? What's your philosophy towards the community? I give back, and you'll find out that niggas kill me. I always want to give back. You just didn't want to spend, nigga. You don't want. You always find excuses. And when they come with all that, man, later for all that, bro. You know what I'm saying? If can't nobody ask you, do you ask the white man questions? No, because sometimes it's a necessity. You know what I'm saying? Now, here's an option. I can go to the white man or I can use you. I want to use you. But I, my thing is just not buying from a white man. Negro, I've graduated from that stage. I was in that stage of 17, 18, 19 when I was dealing with the gods and running with the nation and Everything like that, white and black, and I'm not just saying that's the level they stop at, but that was my introduction to the whole dynamic of the devil and the God. You know what I'm saying? That was a very big and and eye-awakening thing, but as I grew as a revolutionary, as I grew as a freedom fighter, I understood that the white man was just a personification. He was just a manifestation, what we used as an image of evil, but that the evil was imperialism, capitalism. Neo-colonialism and colonialism, criminal settlerism, 
Zionism. Those were the real evils perpetrated internationally and that right here nationally, this white man just represented a capitalist class, a white supremacist capitalist class. And that we understand in our revolutionary movement, us as revolutionaries, that you can't just, this is why we're not swayed by the white communists. We're not swayed by the white socialists because we understand that it is just not economic philosophies. Yeah, we dig in some of your aspects of socialism. Yeah, we dig in some of your aspects of communism. But we're not blinded to the fact that all white people, all white people suffer from the ailment of white privilege and white entitlement. All of y'all do. Every single one of you. It's the way of the world. It's the way that you've swayed the world to believe who you are and the position you hold over the world and the check you hold over the world with nuclear dominance and threats of brutality, warfare, and complete and total annihilation of every human uh, of every species on the planet. Sometimes we just hold that because you're crazy as fuck. Yeah. We got a love for life. You're crazy. White folk, y'all crazy here. Y'all, man, y'all crazy. You're not human. I think you're Bigfoots. For real. I think when you talk about the evolution, I think you are that species right there, but you shaved yourself and taught yourself how your culture vultures. You've taught yourself how to speak. You emulate other co you a Bigfoot that learn how to speak. That's what you are. You're a Bigfoot. I know you're tired, but I've seen you. You're not natural. You're very unnatural. And this is why you promote unnatural ways and an unnatural existence and then black people wonder about their state of mind. But the biggest remedy and the biggest solution that I could offer that works for me is constantly daily. During my meditation, and I'm not saying you have to meditate, pray and meditate, but after my prayer and meditation, I have reflection. I am saying take a moment to reflect. And what does this moment to reflect give us? This moment to reflect gives us the opportunity to really remember who we are. Take the time and sit and remember what you came from. And I'm not just talking about historically. I'm not just talking about literally. Literal, from books, homie. <laughs> I'm not just talking about the whole just from the book. I was a king. I was no be specific who you are, the triumphs over tragedies of your people, your ancestors, just what they and what you came from. And when you remember that and, and do this on a consistent, be constant with it. Be consistent with it. Just get out of this microwave age of thinking. Three minutes, bing, I want it overnight. No, nothing worth having. Is done overnight. Believe me, you. It's my opinion, but it's a very strong one. And in my life can be backed up with facts. Anyway, and, and once you do this for a while, you will begin to align yourself with it. Because I'm a very ancestral person. This is why I'm a black nationalist. This is why I love this land. Did I say this country? Hear me when I say this. Oh, Layanga said he loved the land. I love literally that, the land. Because my people have contributed. I'm not going to see my people spring from here. We were Africans that were enslaved. And the enslaved African aspect of my ancestry came and guess what? Met another aspect of my particular ancestry the new African in America called the Native. And they did they Thigamathu. And from that Thigamathu sprung up these people called New Africans. And I am from all of that. I'm from the diplomacy of two people, foreign people. I'm from first of the First, I am from the strongest type of people that could survive the Ma'afa, 
see, we have to. We're, we're talking elimination process here. Those of you that study evolution understand the whole process of elimination. So we're talking process of elimination. Only the strongest and the craziest, because you had to be, can you imagine the trauma where you don't know nothing that's going on? You're in the bowels of these boats in just feces and this and that, and you're not no savage. So these savage conditions in themselves are horrific. Remember, you're civilized people. So you're in these savage, can buy these stinking freaking savages who are doing this to human beings, and you can't even fathom what type of person would do this. Can you imagine the psychological trauma? Then to get to a place and everything that you held dear and sacred, not just personal belongings, because that way you were stripped of those, but your culture, your language. If they had their way, your memories, and they slightly did that when they took your culture, your language, your religion, your more ways and your Norways. And not only are you going through that trauma, now everything that would bring you an ounce of peace, anything that would give you the sliver of comfort has been stripped of you so much more that if you mention it, if you display any uh, inkling of it, they will kill you. Well, let me tell you about the black state of mind. Let me tell you about the magnificent black. This is why I claim this magnificence of New African, because even under the threat of that, for you that are privileged enough to go to Georgia, go to Georgia, please, and go to Savannah and go to the Carolinas, and you will see here the messages of the slave written. And we were so clever, we writing stuff, and this dumb honky, this white boy, this devil, didn't even know we're still communicating and still writing and still mastering and learning and growing, even under these extreme foreign conditions. Yeah, we suffer some things. And it's going to take time to get back to a natural state. This is why I talk about that consistency. But knowing what you came from and who you are, you will begin to understand your natural state in, 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 in its reality. And what is this natural state? How do you understand your natural state in reality, brother? We don't know. You say, Yanga, you just said that we were stripped of all of these things. Absolutely. And, pardon me, pardon me, and at, at being stripped of all of these things, pardon me one second. Okay, yeah, absolutely, we stripped of all these things. And after being stripped of all of these things, the design was to keep, you know, to be able to make us docile, to be able to make us, you know, forget and complacent to the unnatural conditions that we're living under. But there is something that the black man and the black woman has here in America that's innate, and that's just being black. A sense of knowing what's good for you. So what I tell you natural is, is what is good for you, not what feels good to you. Listen, not what feels good to you, but what is good for you. Some of you sisters. No, ooh, I'm in the tiptoe into a very sensitive subject. And please, I am trying to be easy. But some of you sisters know we're putting, we're getting late in years. We may be putting on a few pounds. It may not be healthy. Definitely advise shed the unhealthy portion. But don't you take your wonderful, beautiful black voluptuous self into no white clinic 
and let them put up the standard of some post-starving, anorexic, underfed, eating boy. I'm going to start to say something derogatory towards my brothers and sisters in Africa from Ethiopia, but I don't even go there no more. Yeah, we had to catch up. But this underfed skeleton of a woman and tell you, oh, you too, wait, the ideal weight for your height is Becky. Man, don't you come at, don't disappoint black men all, all over the world. Same with you brothers. Don't you go in there and let them hold Bob to your standards in weight nor in diet. You know you need to watch what you eat in black men. For no other reason than they may can have salt consumption just for the fact of their meant their stress level isn't that we already have hypertension. Shit, we already tense as hell. Now you add salt and the poison animal heavily to your diet with the black with the conditions and the poison animal being that swine, that chanzir, that pig, that poison animal. So you add poison animal and, and, and salt to your diet, and you already live in high-stress situations. See, I'm not on because it's Muslim. Uh, um, um, you, uh, you, who, what's the other? Uh, Israel. Because it's Israeli or it, dang, well, I can't think of it. Israelites. Because it's Israelites or any of them. I ain't talking about eating swine or not eating swine because of that. I'm talking about your health. What is natural? I believe what like like Doctor uh, Great Doctor Sabi said, you know, Rahimullah, may God have mercy upon Doctor Sabi, when he said, when you brought the black man from Africa, did you bring his foods? Did you bring his foods? So we have things that are particular to us, even us New Africans here. So we have to just start looking at the issue. You want to talk about the black state of mind? These are things that affect it, and yo. Mm, let me send a call sign out there. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. I'm your brother, Chairman Yang Nkrumah, national chairman. Um, and we're just talking about the black state of mind. If you want to get down in the conversation, press one. Love to have you. This is what this platform is all about. It's about you and I being able to rap. Love to have you. I'll open it up and we can wrap it out. If not, man, you guys are letting me know that we feeling you, Yang, to keep going. So that's exactly um, what I'm going to do. So when we talk about this black state of mind, uh, and we talk about the unnatural conditions that we put in and the need to assess that, then that's where I think that when we find when we find the difficulties, because even in the conversation with my brothers, I found us constantly, even though we were keeping it real, we were bringing up some violent concerns, we were, you know, just really rapping as brothers. The, you know, the need to constantly say, yo, but this ain't personal, um, and I'm just saying this ain't no attack on you, or, you know, what is the state of mind with us as black men that we can't rap real, that we don't take it so personal, you know, and I think that that's one of my things, you know, when I look at the difference from white men and black men in that is when you look at investments, whether it be monetary or whether it be time and energy. When you look at investments, I think white people have the luxury, have the time afforded to them to gamble, to really, you know, take that chance. If it doesn't work out, oh, well, you know, let's dust ourselves off, let's try again or try something different, where black people don't. So not only do we put our all in it, I think when someone is offering us advice or an opinion on a way to look at it, we take it as an attack. Because we've invested. 
So we can't afford for this not to be what we believe it to be. So when your boy comes up, like, yo, what about? See, we always turn down black people. Now, somebody's been your partner up until now. And now all of a sudden you found something that you've invested in or you believe in, and they have questions. Instead of you saying, hey, you know what, maybe I'll take that into consideration, but I really think, or trying to explain to them why you believe as you believe, or just say, hey, you know what, I believe this and not. We jump on the defensive and then become, you know, then we launch our attack. Then we go into our thing. You know, I somewhere in the line, and I, you know, I know it was by design. But what I question is, how do we break this um, symptom of viewing one another as enemies? When do we, you know, how do we break this black state of mind? Everything is a competition, the jealousy, the envy. You know, to the degree that. I, we have seen where it escalates into murder, but at the very least, and in the black movement, which cannot be tolerated, there's no room for this type of foolishness, that it goes into character assassination. That we really have placed ourselves, you know, see, this is why I talk about that neocolonialism. That supremacy. This is why. Because we really have swallowed supremacy to the degree that we place ourselves as the nucleus, as the core to the movement. We place ourselves as the core to the movement. And we, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is judge the movement by our feelings and opinions. Not always by facts, but by our feelings and our opinions. And we push them like they are the written rules of the movement. We can get all the education we want to get. We can go and study all the revolutionary books, study all the black history, do all of that stuff, have all the intellectual solutions that the human being, that the black human being could possibly conceive. But until we get to the basic fundamental principle which is just love and respect for one another, everything else is just bull. Until we get to that, just that basic communal connection, concern. Everything don't got to be a teaching moment. You don't have to come over to my crib and your dashiki with some beads on and talk about how the white man killed uh, Brianna and this and that. You can come and really check it out, y'all. You can just come and check on it. You can go just check on your neighbor. See, we we are ready to change the world and not change our household or our community. I'm not even saying, I'm not one of them brothers that say, yo, your house got to be in order for you before you can go and get somebody else. I'm not one of those brothers say that. Your house got to be in order before you can go get another. Come on, man. Really? Nah, I don't, I don't believe that. But I damn sure believe you better have a plan to get your house in order. So you can't be one of them brothers you ain't got a plan to get your house in order. Like, man, how you going to have your daughter sneaking out the window at night, running off with, with, with the little boy? What you going to do? You know, I ain't going to be like, oh, man, he can't even control his daughter. How he going to lead the revolution? Uh, his house got to be in order. No, he got a plan, though. Want to see your plan? And isn't that what it's all about, having a plan 
to counteract the attack against us? Let's get out of this savior mentality. He better be woken on water, multiplying the loaves and taking the fish. We got to get out of that, you know, and just get in the love. When we start having the basic fundamental without the books, there again, back to my faith. Uh, I know you guys are like, oh, Lord, is tonight preaching night? Yeah, a little bit. My faith says you didn't differ about a thing until knowledge came to you. Back to the basic fundamentals of love, compassion, respect. Wanting for your brother what you want for yourself. Loving your neighbor like you love yourself, that type of thing. When we get back to that, that God said, you didn't have a problem to knowledge came when you thought you knew something. Then you begin to develop classism, elitism, those that know this as opposed to knows those that don't know. Those that have this particular skill as opposed to those that don't. We begin to divide ourselves and segment ourselves based on the very thing that should have unified us and, 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 and empowered us as a people, and that's information. But I ain't going to say knowledge because, you know, you know, knowledge to me that is that which is beneficial. Some of the stuff you brothers got is just information. Like those that know me, and, and, and Shaka heard me say before, he said, a black Jeopardy facts. I can say with you, and you can tell me every black Jeopardy fact in the world, but when it talk, comes to practical Real time solutions facing these real time, uh, addressing these real situations that new Africans, black hand Americans, melanated people are facing, you're empty. You're empty. Because you haven't found a book that gives you that answer yet. You don't know how to read a book and begin to construct yourself some solutions. If you can't twist our very real problems to fit something you read, you're stuck. Until someone writes the book to give you something to talk about. That's exactly what that is. So we go back to the basic, what all of us can unite on, what all of us feel. You don't believe that all of us are united on this one fundamental thing of being black? Look at the world behind Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin. What is his name? Frederick Brown. I mean, it goes on and on. You look at the explosions. We feel the connectedness. We feel the sense of oppression. We feel the loss. We feel the pain of the mother, the, the the loss of the child, the heartbreak of the spouse. We feel these things. Our problem as revolutionaries and those of us to say a lead has been our inability to take that feeling and to um just and to be able to explain what that feeling is and create instruments and institutions that those feelings won't be exploited in but will be honed and used to our best ability collectively as a people. This is where we constantly fall short of the job. The feeling is there. You see it. I was just in Louisville. You can feel it, the tension. You know, when they used to say you can cut it with a knife. I used to hear that. I literally felt that. It was thick between the masses and the pigs. It was thick. You could feel it. Curfews, they rolling the streets looking. You can see the hunter, that predator, glint in their eyes. So the tension is super so the tension is super thick. You know. But us as black people, we have to be 
That's why I say so we feel the connected. We have to be connected. Now feeling that connectedness, not wanting to feel the pain, not wanting to feel the hurt, not wanting to see it again. What programs are we putting together? What are we implementing? What are we doing to begin to inoculate and insulate ourselves from this type of pain, to shelter ourselves and shield ourselves from this type of pain? What are we doing? What are you doing in your locale? That's all I'm asking you. It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. They come here. I don't see what nobody's doing. I don't see what nobody's doing. I like when they told me that. I said, Negro, you don't have the clearance to see what I'm doing. You don't. You 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 don't possess the loyalty, the courage, the commitment. Their willingness to sacrifice to see what I'm doing. I wouldn't show you what I was doing, man, for what? Who's you and nobody doing? Maybe because you's a chump. Don't nobody want to show you. Have you thought? That's what I mean. We really got to check it out. Maybe don't nobody want to show your chump ass. Have you thought about that? You know, don't bring the weakest game to the realest player. It may just be that, partner. You're, you may not possess the clearance. How about that? You don't... Your security code don't go up this far. You know what I'm saying? Stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. Don't chase the waterfalls, pimping. Definitely. So we, 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 we. So I'm not one that says you have to show me what to do. It's a rhetorical question. Are you doing? You ask yourself. You know you better than anyone. You know if you're giving full commitment. If you're giving full commitment. And if you're not, you know, there's plenty of organizations you can contact. You can contact us at the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. You know, I don't know. We're still not through the process of um, giving out all the assignments that had to be given out, you know, um, for those orientees that have finished so they get assignments. But if you want something to do, you can contact us for help. There's some, there's always something that we can do. Now, I'm not going to lie. We don't have the most glorious positions. We don't chase cam. You don't see us on a lot of pictures and photos. But if you are a person that really are trying to scratch that internal itch, if you're a person that really like, yo, I ain't even about all that, man. I just want to help. I got to do something. This is killing me and eating me up. And I'm not just talking about taking a lot of pictures. Yo, I really got to get out and do something. You know, check us out. You know, and we can see and we can see what we can do. But we know that something must be done. But when we talk about this black state, all of that plays a role in it. So, you know, I said all that in my winding down, in my concluding. Let's be the people who examine our state of mind. What's your state of mind? Just take the time to really examine your state of mind, and you can do it alone. Find your own quiet little spot, your own little way to get into that space called you, and find out where your state of mind is and be very real with yourself. And when you find out where your state of mind is, then you can start looking for the implements and the instruments and the tools to begin to help your actions either um, you know, help the state of mind or begin to manifest, if it's in a positive state of mind, begin to manifest the positivity that the black positivity that the uh, that your mind is in. Your limbs can be able to begin to 
display those actions. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about because that's what the revolution starts with. It starts with you. Just why owe you? Not all the guns, not all the who. It just starts with you loving yourself and those that look like you and come from your struggle and that are you, your brother and sister, your people. And when we have that basic understanding and that, you know, just that sentiment and that emotion, that connectedness just based on, you know, I want to see good for you because you are me. Then we can discuss the next level of the game. With that, man, I thank everyone for allowing me to spend this Sunday with you, spend a little time, you know, spin your ear a little bit. Um, and, oh, I was about to go in my last few minutes. Let me hit my phone lines real quick. Open up the mic. 407-8494. Your mic's open. Hey, brother, this is Brother E. How's everything? Man, what's going on, brother? E, I'm good. Same old thing, you know, struggle every day. Um, hey, man. Yeah, you know how they go. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. What's, what's going on, man? I, I'm glad you... I'm sorry to say it again, well. I was just saying, you know, we've been in this long enough to know that that's just the status quo. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of waited because I, I wanted to make sure... I understood what the subject matter was. I didn't want to come in on the wrong note and, you know, disrupt the, the, the vibe or the direction that you were wanting to go. Um, but you kind of uh, hit on something that I felt compelled to, to piece in on. And what I'm going to say is directed toward those of us who call ourselves in the struggle, the movement. I feel like the masses of the people are doing what the masses of the people are supposed to do, essentially to a large degree, running amok, trying to confuse, misuse, abuse, going in every which direction. That's what they're supposed to do. That's where we're supposed to step in and provide the guidance and the so-called leadership and the all of those wonderful, beautiful things that, you know, we laud at one another and, and on others in our uh, particular situations or roles. And what I want to say is I feel like I've said it a lot of times over the years, but this idea of, you know, the, the, the most, what is it, the most insincere thing thing I've heard our people say is that we keep it real, when in reality, we don't. I was listening to a brother on YouTube the other day, and again, this is directed toward us, we people. We had a uh, site and warned myself, did a session earlier today um, where we did some self-critiquing in terms of our coming up and uh, 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 our role and essentially, some a lot of some of the, hit on some of the mistakes that we made in the past, and things that we were kind of looking back on. So, whenever I critique or give my opinion on us in the movement, I always include myself in that. But the idea that we keep it real—I was listening to Dr. Carr, and if you ever get a chance, everyone would do well to to listen to this. This cat amazes me at the amount of information 
that he just pulls. It's like he's read every book ever written because he's quoting and pulling books off the shelf behind him. And this book says that, and it was written on this date, and just off, just dude is full of it. It's like he doesn't do anything but read. He doesn't eat, doesn't sleep. He just reads. But um, it's uh, Dr. Carr, Professor Carr on YouTube. But I was listening to him, and he said something that I felt way that I hadn't really felt it before. But he said that we, in the movement, I think he was talking about black folks in general, but us, particularly in the movement, refuse to see this country for what it is, to see it the way that it is. And what I took that to mean is that we continually criticize and cast stones at this system but at the same time, we encourage our people to take part, have hope, invest in this system. And we've got to get to a point where we realize we can't have it both ways. If the system is corrupt and dirty and foul, you can't fix that. If the system was designed to be corrupt and dirty and oppressive and foul, you can't fix that. And anybody that excels in a system like that, you have to wonder, a corrupt, dirty, oppressive, misogynistic, repressive system is only going to reward those who display those same characteristics. You know, if you're in a French class, you're not going to get A-plus bonus points for speaking Chinese. It's just not going to happen. You're going to be rewarded for adhering to and mastering the curriculum set forth. So when we look at these cats, I was speaking with a sister the other day. We look at cats like uh, 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 um, 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 Oprah and, and, and Ice Cube and, and, and Trey and LeBron, and we see all of this money, all of this money from these cats that, supposedly made it in the system and blah, blah, blah. But nothing substantial. I don't mean giving bottles of water to the folks in Flint. I mean <laughs> addressing the needs of the community is not being done by those who have to. I'm, the cat that's out on the street trying to grind and make it, I'm not even talking about that cat because he's trying to make it through the day. I'm talking about the cat that's got three houses can travel the world on a whim, does pretty much whatever they want to do, has the, 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 the privilege of either standing up for the cause or keeping their $4 million contract. I'm talking about those cats who are in a position where they don't want. If they had all of the new money coming in, taken away, they'd be all right because of the money that they already got. I'm talking about them cats mm. that could easily mm. talk about a Tyler Perry Tyler Perry and the shows that he continues to put on, taking these same tied tropes, these same tied stereotypes of our people. How many mm. times do you need to hear a story about a, a, a brother who's strung out on drugs, finds Jesus, comes to the Lord, and now he's okay? How many times do we need to hear that story? Tell a better story about us. Take the money that you have, and instead of investing it in your own your own uh, pocketbook by making yet another movie that appeals to that mindset, which you know is going to make money because it appeals to that mindset, 
take that money and put a better spin on it and tell a story from our perspective about the world. Show us empowered from the start, not because we found Jesus, but because we were born, because we had parents, two parents in the home that showed us a certain way, that maybe spoke a little bit of our own language, or at the very least uh, uh, had pictures of ourselves around the house. You know, so we, we continue to put these you know people in position and, 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 and he prays on them, but not only that. Yeah, hey, let me ask you a question. Yeah. And then I, I want to ask you, man, I'm so glad you called in, too. I'm honored, too. And, and, and everybody, this is Brother E from the Panther 48. Yo, I think, in fact, next Sunday they're coming on. Check them out. Same time, 8 o'clock. Brothers get heavy with it. Brother E, Psych, and um, Chief War. Listen, man, this is what, because I, I was talking about that earlier. And you know what's worse to me, and I want you to speak on this, man. What about the brothers who do their sisters who do that, but play on the black thing, like buy black? You know, try to, like, guilt shame us because we're not buying into this black capitalism. And when you bring up the same issues and concerns you bringing up, like the Tyler Perry's and the Oprah's, they say you hating on black people. What do you, what do you say to that, man? Speak to that, brother E. Uh. Well, I, 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 I think that as long as we don't, and you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier, and we've talked about it in the past, it's like looking at the Pantheon or looking at the Netter. If you look at Osara, Osset, look at, you know, uh, uh, Oshun and Olodumare and all of these, from a European perspective, you say, oh, they had a whole bunch of gods. But if you look at it from our perspective, you understand we have one God with many attributes. We understood that God was multifaceted. So going into and throwing your money into something with a black face on it doesn't necessarily make it beneficial to the community, but it again is most the fault of those of us who have that understanding that the culture we live, and I've I've had this debate with, with cats and the MBBT back in the day and almost had it not too long ago, and I wish I had because it would have been so much fun, but we exist now. Our culture is a culture of repression. We feel the connection only because we're getting our asses kicked. Proof of which, I, I knew this cat back in Fort Worth in Texas who back in the day would always vote Republican. And we'd ask him, why do you vote Republican? Why are you voting for Bush and them? And that? He said, and he had a very valid point. Didn't really feel it at the time, but as I've grown and matured, very valid point. When Democrats are in office, black folks sit back and kind of get relaxed, say, okay, Democrats are there. We, we're good now. They're going to save us. It's all good. But we start to put up our antenna and pay attention when there's a Republican in there because we have a, a, a certain perspective about Republicans. So, so we, 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 uh, um, we, we, we haven't we, – we continue to try to unite around this idea of this culture of, of repression. Like I said, as long as we are getting our asses beat, we know that we're the same people. We know we're united, united around getting beat up. Mm-hmm. So all the oppressor has to do is pull back. If you, if you and Obama and everything's copacetic, it's all good, y'all. We got black mm-hmm. president, woo word. We don't mm-hmm. realize all the negative things that Obama actually did when he was in office, all of the brown people that he bombed around the world, the drone strikes that he right. brought into fruition and made it okay to, mm-hmm. to, to drop bombs on a U.S. citizen without any type of trial, just an accusation. All of this came to pass from Obama's administration. Some Absolutely. Of the stuff Side note to you. 
He's killed. Side note, real quick. Yeah, he is the the president, the only sitting president that has killed that many American citizens. And like you said, put a black face in there to bomb black people. But yo, very valid points. I'm sorry, just had to amen that for a minute. But go ahead, continue, please. But that just feeds into the idea of not being honest with what this country is. I, I, I want so bad to reach into the TV. And I saw a, a commercial with T.I. on it today. I wanted to reach into the TV, and, and I don't watch much TV, but it was on while I was doing something. And I saw this cat on there and wanted to choke the shit out of this dude because I get tired <laughs> of him encouraging African people to vote in this system. And this is what I mean by yeah. we can't tell the folks that this system is trash, it was never meant for us, it's no good, da 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 And then say, oh, by the way, go ahead and support it. Your voting, whether you're voting Republican or Democrat or whoever, is still a vote for the system. You are still saying, hey, I believe the system is going to work, so let me participate. And it's connected to the police. As long as you are participating in a system that's telling you you ain't about shit, then the system is going to compute that, okay, you don't believe you're about shit, so it's okay for me to do this. Malcolm talks about how we keep, we keep telling these white folks what they want, we keep sweet-talking them and smooth-talking them. Say, yes, sir, it's okay, boss, and da 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 now Tell them how you feel. Stop that shit. Your vote, if you vote in the popular election, which I don't know anybody in the electoral college, so I'm going to say pretty much your vote don't really count. And I'm talking about in terms of the presidency right now. Your vote don't count. If you don't believe me, ask Hillary. If you don't believe me, ask Al Gore. If you don't believe me, ask the members of the Electoral College who later on will cast their ballots and who will actually elect the, the president. But even beyond that, once that president is elected by the Electoral College, it still has to be voted on by the Senate. So the Senate can say or the Congress can say that, no, this is not a valid uh, election and throw the results out. So what does your vote really mean, number one? Number two, you're voting in the system. If, you, if, if I'm walking by uh, whoever your football team or basketball team, I don't keep up with it, so whatever, now I'm going to say the, the Lakers. If I'm walking about whatever the Lakers stadium is or whatnot, I happen to walk by as the, the, the people are coming out because the game is over and they're coming out and the, the, the Lakers people are coming out and they're pissed off because their team lost and blah, blah, and they start getting mad at me. How are you going to be mad at me when I wasn't even in the game? I wasn't in, I didn't play in the game. I didn't sit in the arena. I didn't buy a ticket. I didn't participate. So you can't be mad at me because your team lost. Your team lost because you chose a team and shit. And we have to stop. Go ahead. Let me ask. Isn't that the point, though? Like, um, you know, they're going to attack you anyway. And, And what about, let me ask about local elections. Like, I totally agree. With the election thing, I totally agree with the with the popular election, but I am in question about local. Like I tell people, we don't get involved with politics, but politics gets involved with us. Everything from taxation to you know um, curriculum in schools. So it's like these white boys fought a revolution based on no taxation without representation. I don't think that there's nowhere not say that we should look for the some solution to all black problems. In the system, I'm not a reformist by any means. I know, especially me being one who is penalized by the system. I have a felony. Therefore, after so-called paying my dues to society, this so-called state has denied me every right to participate 
or to be a productive, functioning member back in it. I can't bear arms to defend my family. There's certain jobs I can't get because I'm double penalized. Shit, I pay the debt and still got a mark on my record. So, you know, the, the system is bull stuff, and we, it, it's going to take a revolution. But even I would say to those people that pay taxes, that send their children to public schools because lack of black schools or institutions, uh, to the contrary, that not to participate, isn't that like the worst form of apathy, though, E? Isn't that like, damn, you know, do whatever with my money because you're taxing me anyway and I'm just going to uh, have the driftwood effect. I'm going to float anywhere. And I don't know if this is my chief's number, but chief, yo, this is your number. Hit one and jump on in here, man. Um, But, yo, speak to that, brother. Well, and I've faced this question before years ago, but I think that it's, not the greatest act of apathy. It's actually more of an act of empathy for Cassidy in your situation. Brother Sykes shares a similar situation with all of those not can't do this because of the damn felony and blah, 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 blah. But we have to, there's one thing. When, when black folk talk about politics, almost to the person, the only thing we really talk about is voting. Voting is the sum total of politics for black folks in the black community. Yeah. In reality, it's yeah. said by many a yeah. white scholar, by many a black scholar, that voting is the least effective thing, the least powerful thing you can do to affect your, your, your community, to affect social change. And that is simply because politics, particularly in this country, boils down to one thing over everything else, whether it's local state, national, it boils down to one thing and only one thing, money. If you're on a local mm-hmm. level, you have money, you have more votes. You can sit back. Lockheed Martin has a plant in, in Old Mar, Florida. They have, where there was a fire when I was there one time, one, one day. It was a fire, a small fire. It's no big fire. You could have put it out with a cup of water hose. It's no big deal. But do you know that one plant had fire trucks show up from at least nine different cities. We stood out in the parking lot and counted the different cities and counties that these fire trucks were showing up from. Why? Mm -hmm. Because Lockheed employs a lot of people over there. Lockheed affects the overall tax base over there way more than little old E who was living in 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 a condo up the street. So it still boils down to your finances, to your money. If you can pay for it, it don't matter how many times somebody else votes. You are still going to be able to sway uh, a city council, a mayor, because let's face it, those right. that, that are, are mayors, they're looking to be governors. Governors are looking to be senators. Senators are looking to be presidents. Everybody's looking for their next great move to, to, to come up the ladder, just like this cat out in uh, uh, Louisville. The, 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 the nigga that, that and I, don't, I use that word very typically, uh, 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 who who made that announcement? The AG that made the announcement about about the sisters, the the pigs that that got got off for the little with the little slap on the wrist. This dude, if you look at his profile, this dude is being labeled as uh, the next Republican to watch, which is exactly why he did what he did, why he played the role that he played, because he's looking to make a move. He didn't give a damn about mm-hmm. who's voting. On. He's trying to impress the next boss so he can get the next job and the next come up. So we have to stop equating this, this idea. This is not even a democracy. And even if you want to call it a democracy, it's only been a democracy since the 1960s when we finally got the right to vote again. And just to, as a side note for that, 
remember, during Reconstruction, 1865 to 1875, 80, sometime around there, black men had the right to vote. And we put a whole lot of black men into positions of power in the Congress, in the Senate, governors, sheriffs, all of that stuff. We put them in, have them there. We're getting ready to do it. It was looking like shit. We done made it. Came out of slavery. Now we're going to change things and rah, rah, we're going to work in the system, whoop, whoop. Soon as white folks got tired of it, they said, nope, give it back. Came down to the, to, the, to the courthouses, came down to the sheriff's office, came down with their rifles locked and loaded and said, get out, nigga. We want our seats back. You can't have this power. It ain't for you. And took it back. So what makes us think mm-hmm. that they wouldn't do the same thing now? We have to stop think, believing absolutely. the system before us in any type of way and realize we have got to divest mentally, socially, economically, every level, and start investing in our own culture our own culture that will bring us back toward one another as, as opposed to continuing to push us apart because that's what we keep doing. We're all individuals. I, I got to get mine. I, I agree with that, brother. Yeah, I totally agree. Let me, let me see if Chief Chief, did you want to say something real quick? Oh, not yes, real sir. quick. Sorry. All brother, yeah, yes, all of the righteous people. I'm here. Here. So I, I want to, what I agree with both of y'all, but I still would like to emphasize the fact that I believe that where we, a lot of what we fall off has to do with our uh, recognition of the power of the community. And the mm-hmm. thing about it, especially when we're talking about concentrated areas where, where, where there are black people, from that standpoint, and you can help me out on this, Chairman, like places like Atlanta, had we not had the dynamics to where basically those people that are in positions of power would not be 100% on board with the system. And like he said, looking for the next uh, boss to impress, there will be, I believe there is opportunity for growth and change in black empowerment that's away from just a capitalist mentality. Standing at Atlanta is pretty much the black capitalist mecca, but there's an opportunity for that change if our mentality was, was different, if our mentality mm. was that we were going to empower the community and empower the people and not be like how he was saying in regards to concentration of the wealth in the hands of the few. Unfortunately, what happens is people, you know, a lot of the people that are in positions of power want to maintain that power, and it, even from a political standpoint, it operates through you know, like he's saying with the with the uh, like he example, it operates through construction, it operates through businesses, whether it be profit or nonprofit. Because I've seen it, I've seen it, and I, and I directly witnessed people that thrived in that environment when I lived and used to live in Dallas and 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 dabbled in the real estate game. So from that standpoint, folks that are in positions of power typically have a profit, nonprofit, uh, foundations. They they got it all, and they basically help each other and help those other businesses manipulate and create wealth within that small sector while everybody else gets caught up in a nine-to-five and, and continues to chase their dream. So the deal is, mm-hmm. is we have to find a way to get back to the equalization of wealth, and that is what is, uh, I think is the complete resistance that, that we fight against day-to-day is the recognition of that. Problem is, is since so many people, like what y'all are saying, think that voting is being political. So many people are backwards in terms of their mentality, in terms of the 
the amount of involvement they need to have, which is why I refer to the family as being dysfunctional, simply because it thinks about advancing the individual and advancing the family, seeing the children off to college and get them to come back and put a good roof over their head. But at no point do we emphasize or incorporate the community aspect in our family uh, mm-hmm. model. And since we don't incorporate that, we're not dealing with that as an obligation that you should have as you develop yourself. Since we don't have an obligation to the community, then that emphasizes the concept of individual wealth and individual power and running that rat race game and also from the standpoint of politicians or or, or wealthy business owners still isolating that to that small percentage and not the common unity of us as a people. So we literally have to change the, the entire dynamic and entire scope of what we what we define as a way of life, going back to how he was talking about with culture. The deal is, is our culture needs to be centered around community as African people. Mm-hmm. And, as long, and, and until we recognize that, until we do that, and that's a common thread within our, our, our structure, we will continue to be fighting, up, fighting against the idealism of the individual capitalist. So the dynamic mm-hmm. itself, especially operating within the system we're dealing with, is not something that's going to change on its own. It's not going to change because of poverty. It's not going to change because of the amount of social exposure you keep, you, you keep identifying with, with the problem because the problem has always been there. That's the thing. It's nothing new happening. It's not happening mm-hmm. in, in any more of a rate than it's always been happening. It's just the exposure. Mm-hmm. But the exposure simply just creates frustration because if, we, if, if we're not focusing, uh, teaching our people to focus their energy on the redeveloping and redefining the dysfunctionalities that exist in our community, then all we are doing is just finding new ways to have something to fuss about, to vent about, or new ways to identify with being a victim, which doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and with so, the way that we do that is to create foundational uh, programs. And that's one of the yep. things that we talked about earlier today was the fact that we, and I'm going to say me, psych and war, our mistake was we did not invest in creating a foundation. Them cats out and in, in, in just going to Louisville with the rivals and everything have now put out a wolf ticket that they're going to do such yep. and such. Now they put themselves out there, and your credibility is on the line now. Either you're going to do it and go out in the blaze of because you know you're you, going to lose, or you're going to you, you you know like fools for having said it and not followed it up. Mm. And what's funny, and he, I'm gonna tell you what's and funny, he, and 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 here, and I want to go to my phone lines too, man, because I have, and if I, it's who I think it is, I'm really gonna be honest, because I have the whole committee on then. Um, but I want to say this about little cats in Louisville. You know, I don't know if many people know I'm from Louisville. You know, I'm originally a Kentuckian and a Louisville, and so I've been home, you know, and talked to my brother and and, and talked to people and just got the vibe of the streets. Cats in Louisville are not buying the. In fact. Kentucky is much like Texas on a smaller scale. Even us from us Kentuckians are funny about our problems. And we when outsiders come in, we kinda looking like, yo, who are you again and what you stand up? Like it ain't that we love this white man, but we know this beast. And we not with sensationalism. We not with you stirring up and whipping up shit and we gotta deal with this hill building. You know what I'm saying? We in the Appalachians out down here in Kentucky. So, you know, uh, we're not with you standing up. I want to say one thing and call it. Hold on one second, man. I see you on. You're going to go next. 
is when we talk about, I agree everything um, E, you and Chief War are saying. But I would say, however, in conjunction with, I think that that process of building programs to go towards self-determination is just that, a process. So while we're going through it, I think it would only be right for the people working the nine to five. If you're in a state that you can start a union, start a union or belong to a union, start addressing the rights that slumlords, there are certain tenant rights. Politics used to, like you said, E, and war more than just voting. You have certain rights, and especially you brothers out there that's out here playing revolutionary and really out here just uh, using your Second Amendment rights by exercising your First Amendment rights to peaceful assembly. You all in p- politics with that shit. So I know y'all not talking. You brothers out here exercising these so-called constitutional and amendment rights. I know y'all not hot about school politics because y'all, that's the whole thing y'all fronting on. And no disrespect to my brothers with the guns. But I say all of that to say, um, if that right now is something that is going to offer an umbrella. It's not a solution. But if you can do something to uh, push the issue of, like, to be brief, the whole thing with the, with the police brutality, no, the system's never going to fix that. But what we're saying is, system, offer the deterrent that addresses that real issue. Why not, out of, if we kill a police officer, it's the automatic uh, death sentence. Why not the same for killing black? Why didn't it escalate it to a hate crime? How is it that homosexuals can be killed if they're killed uh, and it's elevated to a hate crime and not black people? That's what I'm saying. If you're involved in that, they push that push for the brothers that have records to be able to get their rights damn restored. I'd love to defend my family legally. Be out there with you, with the brothers out there marching and protesting without having to go through that. You know, so if you're in that venue, if you're fighting that fight, make the fight point you. Uh, listen, let me go to the phone. Let me get my brother here, man. 647-6050. Your mic's open. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Gentlemen, good, uh, good conversation. I just wanted to break in here and just talk about a few things. Uh, the first thing I would like to talk about is our reliance, relying on people who have resources and means to do things. Um, you know, when we start talking about athletes and entertainers and people who have money, you know, we talk as though they should do something with their money that we want them to do. And it doesn't work like that. If these young brothers are in the NBA and they're making money, they're going to do what they want with their money. Um, that we, we shouldn't rely on that, especially if, the majority of us haven't done anything with the money that we have. You know, we talk about people who have who have means and who have money or who have fame um, may not have the mindset. So relying on them is illogical. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Um, the question is, what are we doing? The rest of us who claim to be Pan-Africanists or are looking for um, um, black empowerment or black liberation these are things that we should be doing um and if we don't do it then the record shows that we don't have the results so the last thing we need to do is go and look for somebody just because they've attained some uh some wealth or some resources that they should do it because they have the wealth and we haven't done it even though we could pool our money and have the same effect as they can that's the first thing. The next thing is 
we have to stop looking. We have to start looking ahead to what's coming. And maybe because I'm, 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 the field I'm in is, is technology and engineering. There are certain things that are going away. So we can't look at the current system and try to say, well, we need to change the system. No, there is no changing the system. There is only building a new system. And it's never been easier operationally for us to do so. This is the, this is the, we're living in a time where we can, where we can do some things globally that we could never do before operationally. Mentally, that's a different story, but operationally, it's easier now. There are things that are going to be happening in the future, like the text messaging that you, that you're, that you currently enjoy, that's going away, right? That's going to be replaced by enhanced messaging. You know, the monetary system, the central banks are already talking about CBDCs because now they're being, they have competition from crypto and Bitcoin, and they want to create something like that, except for they want it centralized. So it will be pretty much what we have now. But the way that is going to operate is going to be different. So we have to think of a new way forward and a new way to do things. People think innovation is, when they think innovation, they think technology. You can innovate in anything. You can in, innovate in government structure. You can innovate in um, how you manage projects. You can innovate in any way. And I think that's one of the things that's missing with us is that we're not thinking ahead. We're not thinking, we're not taking off all of the mental boundaries that we've been taught. So what we do is when we start talking governmental systems, system of the government, we say uh, capitalism, socialism, communism, and those are the only three things that we've ever been taught, so that's all we ever talk about. Why don't we create a new system that is looking, that is forward-looking, that is future-looking, and stop talking about all of these old, dead systems. Stop talking about capitalism. There's no need to be bringing that up. Stop talking about socialism and communism, all that stuff. That. Those things are going the way of the dodo bird, and it's going to, when it goes away, what comes in is going to be worse for us if we don't figure out a way to start building our own systems now. And I wanted to get you brothers' mm. thoughts on that. Well, Let's I start with um, because I'm coming with I'm coming mm-hmm. into my last twenty minutes, so I want to start with E. And E, if you can take about like five, seven, about five to seven minutes, because I want War to be able to um, to chime into that. And we're coming to our last 20 minutes. Great questions, man. E, Mike's yours, brother. Yeah, I would say the caller is absolutely on point on everything uh, that he said. Um, And, yes, there's there's been a push for years to develop our own systems. There are our own systems that are in place. But we, as a people here in the U.S., continue in large part because of the so-called leadership uh, or the leadership that we've been given have continued to invest in this system as opposed to looking to the other systems. And on the most fundamental basic level, that's our education. We see we send our children after integration. We taught our children prior to. After integration, we started sending our uh, children to the oppressor, more so in, in masses, to, to teach our children. So, of course, we are going to come up mimicking them. We have to get to a point where we start teaching one another our own culture because even if we innovate and come up with these great things, new systems and all of that, we're not going to buy into it because we're still trying to unite mm-hmm. around a culture of oppression 
rather than a culture of ourselves. So finding that sense of, of self-respect and identity and development is fundamental to everything that we do. But everything he said is, is beautiful. I'm on board with that. I know War's loving the whole technology aspect, and I know he's over there about to have a fit, so I'm going to go on and give it to him. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Let me just let me just say this out loud as well. I'm also in the, in the technology field. I'm actually a project manager and deal with access control. So I've I've had to even deal with facial recognition and license plate recognition systems. Deal with code. So I get it as far as what he's talking about. And uh, within the Panther Party, what we also deal with is within our mechanism structure. We have one. Of the, one of the elements of our mechanism, or I should say one of the mechanisms, two of them specifically, is the infrastructure mechanism. Another one is the engineering mechanism. So we are actually pushing for our people to be innovative. The biggest problem we find with that, and also in saying we were pushing to be innovative, is our whole concept now more so, and this is what he was saying we was talking about earlier today, is the continuity of the Panthers. Recognizing the continuity of the Panther, then we have to be thinking ahead in order to figure out ways to work. The Panther is not extinct in terms of what it is and how it operates. And we're completely against the uh, raising or the glorification of nostalgia. And we find that our people tend to also operate from that mentality. So what we're fighting against collectively is I refer to as the difference between getting our people to recognize cho- the difference between a choice and an option. We have, as of, based upon being domesticated, we have lost our visionary uh, intactment with the ability to recognize what choice is. Choice is opening you up to being able to be a visionary, opening you up to being able to look at things and plot ahead and, and, and to establish a course and a path of your own. That terms and that concept of overstanding is lost upon the mass majority of our people. Therefore, when they, again, think about the standard model of the family structure, they don't include community. Including community causes you to have to think about things from the standpoint of planning and projections, because you can't develop a community on the now. You must develop a community in, in a city, so to speak, based upon projections based upon how is whatever, whatever foundation we're laying now going to be able to be sustained 20 years, 50 years, and 100 years in advance. Because when you lay in the foundation, going back to the construction concept, an example, you have to do soil testing. You have to make sure uh, the, the area where you eradicate or, or setting up your foundation can sustain over a certain period of time. There's all kinds of things that go into just picking the site and the location. So knowing that, Knowing that we have to project this as it applies to the, the, uh, the, uh, the African struggle we're talking about, we have to have the same mentality. How do we sustain our development? How do we sustain our ability to move forward and advance the people forward in the same context? But instead of dealing with it from technological, now we're talking about a structure, a lifestyle, a way of living. So I completely get where you're going. The deal is, is oftentimes, and this is why, for instance, um, the guys on the, you know, a lot of the guys always mess with me about speaking over people's heads. This is why I say, unfortunately, we are, a, a, a lot of us on that level are so far ahead, and we have to make it comfortable. We have to figure out ways to make it comfortable for our people to want to embrace 
higher levels of learning and education. One of the big things in, in, in conceptions that is based upon the public school system is literally meant to dumb you down. The public school system is meant to slow your pace of development as a child. In doing so, they introduce and they keep the concept of linear thinking going. Linear thinking causes you not to be able to even recognize when you are placed in a box and to have the mentality to be constructive and a critical thinker and think outside of the environment that you've been placed in. One of the, the terms we use within the, within the People's Black Panther Party is TOYS as an acronym. What does that mean, TOYS, tools of your surroundings? It means recognizing the ability that everything before you is either used for you or against you. And you must be innovative enough to recognize your place as your place within the environment and that you need to enhance your position in that environment and utilize what is before you and not take it for granted. So we have, as a people, we have to take taken being sustained by our oppressor for granted to the point to where it has allowed us to be comfortable with being dumbed down. Mind you, and I'm talking about from the position of a community, because we may have individuals who uh, operate on a higher level, but they don't know how to translate that into, in, into a people being able to recognize and move forward at, on a higher level. Because what? Our model of a, of a family does not include community. And therefore, not including community, you don't think projection. Not thinking projection, you think about the now. Thinking about the now a lot of times causes you to think about the past and, and look forward to the, and talk about recreating the good old days, which is that nostalgia, which don't apply into moving into the future, other than being able to look at certain type of pattern examples that cause our people to make the same mistake over and over. That's different. That's pattern. That's called pattern recognition. So yes, we must study that. That is why you have historical significance for that reason, but that reason alone. Moving forward, you have to be a visionary. That takes a certain type of critical thinking that must be reinterjected into the community, reinterjected into our people's mentality, which causes you to have nonlinear thinking patterns. Nonlinear thinking patterns who force you to operate above a sixth-grade educational level. We get caught up in this whole concept of repetition, 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 and loving the fact that we are able to sustain at a certain level and not grow. That crystallized thinking is also operated through religion. So there are certain things that are in place that the elite so-called power structure can continually uses against the masses of people in terms of your thinking pattern, in terms of your ways. So we have to work toward getting our people away from being, uh, uh, I would say, mentally lazy as it applies to how we were brought up into a system of school, all school of thought. Most of the time, the only time we read, we learn, and we study something is if it's attached to making more money. Mind you, we're talking about a masses of people who are, not, who are barely making any money to begin with. But the only time they're motivated to learn and to grow is if they, you can add another 50 cent on top of the 5 or, or $10 they make an hour anyway. I'm already at a minimum wage level, and the only time I'm going to pick up a book is if I can add 50 cent on top of $10. Seriously? That's our problem. So we have to work toward, as leaders, work toward enticing our people to want to crave to do better. And as we do that, we can work toward those projections you're talking about. And I'm going to cut it off right there because I can keep going on and on and on about that. 
Hey, hey, I think real that's, quick, I think Sykes hit the nail on the head this afternoon when we were talking. Uh, uh, we rely on so-called leadership without the leadership being vetted and making sure that those are, who we're placing into positions of responsibility are on the right mental mind track. So I would, invite, I would love to have a brother that was on, this, on here speaking earlier to, to catch up with us and, and, and get on a call and start having conversations and start developing one another's minds so that as these things start to happen in his life and our life and whatever, that we're on a proper trajectory toward a, a proper direction. Otherwise, we just have innovations that serve the oppressor again rather than innovating that gets turned into our favor and moving it on. And didn't I tell you, Yanga, didn't I tell you war was over there salivating? He wanted it, didn't he? You said that. You, hey, you said that. And let me say this to the caller, too. Caller, you heard the invite, personal invite. From Brother E, again, Panther48. You can check him out. Same number, same time next Sunday coming on, man. And if you want to rap and get on that and War's on there, Brother Syke, who wasn't on here today, um, is on there. Brother E, who you hear dropping them, dropping them jewels there on there. Definitely a program. If you're trying to get up on your shit, really, and really get in this revolutionary thing and move beyond hobby, check it out. I wanted to say this, though. Um about what the brother said, you know, there's a couple of things. One thing he talked about the stars and having their money. And, and, and I agree, it's their money. You can't tell them what to do with their money. doesn't make it right. In my opinion, I know right and wrong is relative, but it doesn't make it. I think one of the things that has to go back in our community is a sense of social accountability and responsibility that, you know, when I was growing up, coming up, you know, my grandmother used to say, and this may be, whack in the way she said it, but she was like, don't get out there and act like a nigga. You know, remember that people are watching this. I had the weight of my race on my shoulders, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It made me realize it was point number five of the Black Panther Party before really joining the party like that. I mean, I know I'm born into it, but it's point number five is to a true history. We want a true history that teaches the decadent nature of this society and the black woman's Man and a black man and woman's place in this society, nationally and internationally. Um, so she kind of was embedding that in me. So I think that's one thing that there is a sense, there should be a sense of accountability and responsibility when you get that money because you do stand on the shoulders of the ancestors. That's part two religion and politics. When we talk about the domination of white people, I don't think you can have you can be apathetic to religion and politics and to uh, white supremacy, which is a philosophy, because those are weapons they use. You can't say, the hell with religion, I don't deal with religion, and that's a weapon they use. That's like saying, okay, I don't want to bring my gun. I want to fight with a sword. No, he got a gun. So we have to have, like me, I have what they would think is a, a traditional religion, but I practice African spiritualism. I'm like Brother E said, you know, I recognize me personally growing up as a Muslim, Allah, but if, if we call him Odumar, I, you know, I have a leg of this and that, and I recognize certain elements from my African uh, understanding. I think, and I said all that to say, I think that's a necessity. I think that your spiritualism does address how you perceive the real world. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it goes into that. If you have this turn-the-cheek mentality and, oh, they spat on Jesus, baby. They talked about Jesus, you know, the, the pie in the sky. They don't want no reward in this life, you'll do those actions, and you won't be inspired or motivated to have nothing in this life. You will really be that person. So I say that. Secondly, I want to go into um, briefly why I agree with you. We need a new philosophy. We need a new ideology. 
a whole new way. But the importance of uh, talking about capitalism, talking about socialism, talking about white supremacy, and especially white supremacy, because these are the foundations of all things. We talk about this box that we're in and getting out of this box and building a new concept. We have to be careful, man, a rose by any other name. If we don't know capitalism, we can call it whatever we want to call it. We can call it Yangaism, and it just be capitalism. And the point about capitalism is not so much just the wickedness of the system, but what it inspires in the human being and black people. It inspires a lower, baser understanding of us. It tells us, get it at any cost. And we're not those people, man. We're black people. We don't do anything lightly. Whatever we do, we go 20,000%. So when we get it with this get it any cost mentality, man, we're going to run through our communities. So the whole, that's why we teach about capitalism, not just the system, but also the moral. We warn about the the morality or the immorality that comes with capitalism. What was founded? Socialism. Why don't we teach about that? Because we say, hey, many of our great people have been misled by communism and socialism. Many a greater intellect and mind, some way more profound than my little bitty peanut head could ever think, and they were deceived by that. Because why? One of the things they didn't factor in, why we always teach it, white privilege, white entitlement. Even though this cracker ain't screaming white supremacy, he does a socialist. Listen, I built with the Revolutionary Communist Party USA. I'm a revolutionary. I built with them. I'm going to talk with them. Got their communist manifesto. Communist Constitution, read it, and in there there's a section that talks about black liberation. Yes. and But it says they will help with our struggle, but once we win our struggle, we must go to an all-white council to decide if we can have a land of our own. Still, we find ourselves at the uh, questioning and petitioning white people for our self-determination. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't feel like I had one of these, a brother tell me under this cracker, Bob Avakian, that, you know, Huey was a great and brilliant man, but he wasn't. He had to work with him because he wasn't capable of organizing his people. He hadn't evolved to that status, the arrogance, the audacity of this cracker. So white privilege and white entitlement is real. And if we don't teach these things, like uh, Ward brought up about Atlanta, if we don't teach the reality of these things, then we, we, we fall in trouble of neocolonialism. And Atlanta is the perfect example. All these well-to-do black people, very educated, well-informed, city of black people who practice neocolonialism to the utmost. You in, in, in some instances you'd rather live in a white city than be when you get caught in the system in Atlanta. It's that black judge that will give you a million years for a, a, a crack rock. So when you talk to black and white dynamic in Atlanta, it really doesn't catch catch like that because neocolonialism is the order of the day. So in order to really expose neocolonialism and to show, hey, man, what you're thinking is unnatural, you have to show where the unnatural thinking came from. That, yo, this capitalism shit ain't cool because you're a brother with money, because they went to Bitcoin, because you don't use paper no more. It's still the morality. It's still the intention. It's still what you're doing to enrich yourself, which is uh, the system of capitalism, which eats your soul. So this new system that we develop for ourselves, we must know the olds. At least we'd be in danger of falling into them. Listen, I'm coming up on four minutes, man. I, I appreciate everything. E, Chief, I definitely want to send a big thank you to you guys jumping on here, man, coming on, enlightening this program, sharing with me. I'll be hanging out a little bit on, on y'all programs, but y'all fill my tablet up too quick. I'll be trying to write. <laughs> Yo. Yo, there again, check us out. This is People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. I'm your chairman, Yanga. 
You can check me out. Sundays, this was my Sunday. Next Sunday is my group, man, my guy, Chief of Staff War with the Panther 48, always giving it up. After that, me again, and then we're coming with the NDOS, National Director of Operations, with Big Mama's House, just, you know, rapping, chopping it up on those issues of family and things that we discussed. Please check us out. Check out the Facebook page. I'm going to leave with this. Get involved, to me, as the chairman of the New Black Panther Party for self-determination. It's all about that self-determination. And our job is to not just inform the people and give them the instruments, like uh, Boy said, toy. You know what I'm saying? Know your tools, man. You got to know what's, what's for you and what's against you. Not just to give you those, but to inspire, motivate you to get you, you to participate in your own liberation struggle. So with saying that, join an organization. Check us out. You know what I'm saying? Get with us. You see what we're rocking with. You heard my chief of staff. You heard the clique that rolls with us. Check us out. You know what I'm saying? If it isn't your, 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 your build, your fit, that's cool. Get in something that's progressive, man. Well, man, do something that's progressive. With that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you as I greet you. That's, you know, peace be upon you. All powers to the righteous people. All powers to oppressed people. African power to an African people and black power. Black power.